we have a number of people here, and, and it's great to have you all. Uh, thanks for joining. Today, I'm, I'm here with uh, Juan Rossi, Senior Security Platform Manager. Is that right at uh, Mercado Libre, Juan? Yeah. Yes. Senior Manager for the Platform Security Team. That's correct. Good. And, and we're, we're going to be talking about authorization at, at Meli, but... Uh, before we, we kind of like dive deep into a topic, can you share a bit about again, the company, if anyone uh, is not familiar with it, but then also kind of like what your role is there and, and kind of like what you've been up to so far? Yeah, for sure. So Mercado Libre is the, the largest uh, e-commerce company for here in Latin America. And it's also uh, the, the largest uh, payment processor um, uh, as well. So there are two... Uh, options if you want that you can use, but Mercado Powell as a business unit uh, is, is the largest one. And so I've been working here at the company for I think half, five and a half years or, or so. Um, I've been in this role uh, for, for uh, well, I've been working with the platform security team for about a year or so. Um, before that, I managed the, the SRE team uh, for Mercado Pago. And, and currently, uh, I'm heading, uh, I'm, I'm managing the, the whole uh, authentication, authorization, and delegation of permissions for, for APIs, being mechanisms that we implement for external clients that use our APIs or uh, internal um, solutions such as the authorization, for example. Okay, that's, that sounds great. So we, you, you mentioned a couple of terms that are very like industry-specific and, and people that have worked with those are, are going to be familiar with them. Uh, before we kind of like dive into those terms, like authentication, authorization, and permissions, um, what, so that's kind of like what the team does. Like, what does sec platform security mean? Like, what does security mean in, in that particular context, but also what does thinking of it as a platform team mean? Yeah, sure. So what we do, well, obviously authentication is, is understanding who, who, are you, who your user is, uh, what's their identity and the authorization parties, checking if they have the correct permissions to, to do a specific action. So what we as, as a platform security team do is basically create and maintain um, several uh, solutions that we we provide for our whole company um, so they so anyone that has to create a new API um, has the the solutions available to manage the authentication the authorization and they don't have to create them from from scratch um, we uh, the the whole I think right now we are more than uh, 10,000 uh, employees on the IT side maybe a bit less but but as a company wow. we have more than 20,000 people wow, so 10, a, is a lot. yeah yeah uh, it's huge so and a lot of people are joining the company uh, each week so uh, it's obviously a really hard problem because um, <clears throat> you you can't have uh, everyone learning from scratch and, and 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 having to implement something so core as the authentication or authorization for the the APIs um, each time they they have to do something new. So we we need to create solutions that are uh, easy to use that are able to implement. Um, in, in any type of, of language or technology. And, and there are, are uh, available uh, from, from a, uh, as, a, as, as you have, for example, uh, code reviews or, or uh, testing or coverage or something that, that is really part of, of your application, the authentication and authorization need to be part as well. So we try to, to do uh, that type of solutions uh, as a part of, of uh, the, the the basic process of creating a, a new application. 
Okay, okay, that that makes sense. Of kind of like repeating this back to you again. The very large company we mentioned like 10k people total in IT. Lots of people joining each week. Authorization, authentication are are critical parts of what you do. Of course, you care about your your users, your customers, and on their security. You want to make sure everything's working. So you give building blocks to different teams. You give them libraries. Yeah. You give them services. You give them even guidance and consulting for in some cases. So for them to kind of like be able to take those building blocks and implement these things in the right way. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, that's that's great. Um, you mentioned like three things. You mentioned authentication. You, you explained a bit about what authentication is. You also mentioned authorization and, and delegation. Can, can you share a bit about what those two concepts are before we dive into specifically authorization, which is the kind of like the, the big topic for today? Uh, you, you mean uh, to explain uh, authorization and delegation of permissions or? Yep. Yeah. So the well the, the authorization part I, I mentioned that is uh when you you have to validate or or, or, or make sure that a specific uh user has uh, the the ability to uh do a specific action in your platform for example if someone is is uh, buying a specific item on on our marketplace on our e-commerce site um they obviously need to have permissions to do so. They need to be able uh, to, to create a specific item if they want to sell in a, a specific thing or product. And each time uh, a user do uh, actions, uh, do actions on, on our platform, uh, they we need to validate those things. And there are some cases when where um, you want someone for example, an employee uh, to have specific uh, permissions to your company or to, to your account to do things in, in your behalf. So in those cases, uh, there's uh, the delegation of permissions. There are several ways to do so. Uh, OAuth is one of, of, of the, the ways we, we currently uh, use to, to handle um, the, the authorization uh, between users, I know you, you talked uh, a lot about OAuth on on your last uh, Twitter Space, um, so I'll plug that <laughs> for you, and and everyone can can then go go <laughs> to listen <you>. it. <laughs> but uh, and there are some other cases where um, you you basically, as, as I mentioned, to to make sure that that your employees can can do several things on your behalf and the, there are other things that you don't want them to, to do or information that you don't want them to, to be able to, to access. Uh, in those cases, uh, authorization is, is super important to prevent um, data leaks and, and obviously unwanted actions by other users. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good, good good explanation, and I really like the the examples, right? So you, when you we talk about authorization, it's what you can do, and then when we talk about delegation, it's essentially giving someone else the ability to do something, typically kind of like yeah. on your behalf. And the fact that it's on your behalf is important because that the fact that it happened on your behalf and not on their behalf needs to be traced across system. Is is something that you need for auditing purposes in general and and all sorts of security features, right? Yeah. Good. So uh, kind of like get, getting into authorization, one of the things that, that I think would be interesting and, and maybe we can use the, the use case that you, you presented as an example is like to, to start talking about like a use case uh, concretely. And then and that's that's kind of like the journey that we can use to kind of like go through things. So like, is that a good use case where we say, hey, I want to see uh, who is authorized to do something? Uh, do we want to talk maybe about like a Mercado Pago use case? Like, what's a, a, a the typical or easy to explain use case from the platform. And, and I ask about this because I know you're really complex in terms of like infrastructure, lots of services, lots of things going on. So maybe kind of like having a simple way to for people to kind of like reason, have a mental model of what we're going to talk about might be interesting. Yeah, sure. So I think maybe creating a, a payment, it's something that's that it's, uh, simple and complex at, at the same time. So, uh, usually have uh, two parts uh, a payer and a, and, and a seller uh, on, on, a, on a request on a transaction and 
and in those cases you you want to be able to understand if if the, the seller has the ability for example to create a payment and um, obviously um, there are sometimes that you also need to validate that, that the payer can uh, basically pay for for those things uh, being that um, depends on, on the type of, of payment method that they are using. Um, it depends on, on basic permissions that, that you can validate. And, and obviously, you know, a bunch of, of business rules that, that you can also uh, check and maybe think as an authorization part of, of the transaction, of the request. Yes. Okay. So that's that's interesting. So there, there are kind of like it seems two parts to creating a payment. One that the seller does. Hey, the the notion of a payment is created, and then the buyer goes and kind of like pays for that thing. So the the, the entity is created by the seller, then the buyer goes pays for it. Let, let's focus maybe on one of those uh, the payment part of the of the payment. So like as a buyer, what what I do? And, and you mentioned there are a couple of yeah. things, the the payment method, the conditions for that, and so on. What's uh, a typical uh, interaction that, like, how many things do you need to gather uh, data from to, to kind of, like, make that decision? You mentioned kind of, like, the payment method, that seems to be one. Data about the user, like, it seems that there are lots of things that uh, are required to make an authorization decision. Yeah, but if you think, I mean, you, you can go pretty deep uh, when, when analyzing those, those things, but... From the most basic part of the transaction, um, you first want to be able to understand if a specific uh, buyer has the per the correct permissions to create a, a payment. Maybe you you uh, saw that a specific buyer has been trying to I don't know create uh, fraudulent transactions for for a while and and you you want to cancel their account. So they won't be able, they won't have the specific permissions to create a, a payment in, in that case. So um, in those cases, we, we have uh, specific identity uh, management processes that where we store the permissions of, of our users. So from the most basic part, you, you are able to understand or ask the question, does uh, Schenkel has the permission to create a, a payment uh, as, a, as a buyer in, in a transaction? And the, the answer should be uh, yes or no. There are no uh, grades uh, in, in that case. Good, good. That, that makes sense. Uh, and this kind of like peeling... Uh... Peeling the onion, right? Like that you you ask the question and you phrase it in a way that again shows that you're used to to this topic. Can this uh, person, in this case Schenkel, perform this action? In this case, pay for this payment, the entity. So like you have the subject, you have the object, and you have the action. Who asks that question at at Mercado Libre? Is that a gateway? Is that the service itself, where does that uh, check for authorization happen? Uh, in our case, is is the the application that is processing the, the request. So obviously Mercado Libre uh, as, a, as a company has a, a microservices architecture that is, is pretty large. And you have a, a bunch of, of different microservices that are uh, are interacting uh, when you need to create a payment or do any type of of action in in our platform. So in those cases, the different uh, applications are are in a specific uh, request uh, path uh, has to uh, validate the the different uh, permissions. So, for example, there are obviously the ones that are close to the edge that are the most important because they're your first uh, barrier to to prevent uh, attacks and to to make sure that that you don't waste uh, resources so in those cases we we focus on, on them having uh, the to they have to implement our our services um, to to know uh, which 
uh, questions they, they they need to to ask. So in in the specific cases, does the user X has uh, permission to create a payment? And the answer should be yes or no. Um, we have several ways for for implementing that that type of, of questions, and 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 obviously uh, it's a pretty uh, pretty difficult. Um, part of, of our job uh, because we we come from a, a specific way of, of doing authorization which was in some cases based on on different libraries uh, that they were on the on the code base of the applications and we are trying to move away from that to a more uh, centralized uh, way to manage the policies and and a way of, of asking the, the questions. Okay, okay, that, that makes sense. Uh, I'm going to kind of like try, try to summarize and, and then kind of like focus in, into some of these because it's kind of like the meat of what the, I guess, the, the security platform team does in terms of providing something for our teams. So I'm going to kind of like imagine a, a distant past where different services written in, in different programming languages, most of them, I guess, Java, were running authorization logic themselves. Traffic got into them, like again, maybe HTTP, HTTPS, mm -hmm. but w when it got to them, they made the decision within the process of what should have happened in terms of like an authorization decision. Can this user perform this payment? And the company has seen the value of doing a couple of things. First of all, the sooner you do that in terms of like closer to the edge, the better, because you prevent you, as you said, resource waste, but at the same time, again, it's it's beneficial for a number of other reasons, making sure that you're not uh, running code that you shouldn't be running, uh, security and yeah. so on. But at the same time, it seems like th there is this notion and, and kind of like hint, you hinted at it, where like if you extract authorization logic away from application code and, and you put it kind of like somewhere else, it has other benefits. Can, can you talk about kind of like how you reasoned about this? Let's move this out of the code and put it somewhere else. Yeah, so Mercado Libre right now has, I think, more than 8,000 or 10,000 applications. So obviously, that's, that's a huge uh, distributed system. Um, and that's for Mercado Libre, Mercado Pau, and the, the, the other uh, different business units that the company has. So. When you go from a, a system that is based on, on the code base of uh, your application, you you basically are, are opening for for several types of, of possible issues. Uh, one being that uh, if you don't have a, a really good system to maintain and, and make sure that all your libraries are are updated uh, in a in a short time. Uh, you may end up with uh, applications that are not uh, updating your libraries and that could lead to possible uh, vulnerabilities or maybe is related to uh, you need to push something to, to improve your service or to have someone uh, uh, be able to, to test a new feature. And, and if you depend on and how the the applications and the, the teams are implementing your solution that that's pretty hard on on, on this type of, of scale right and and also when you when you think about making sure that that you have um, visibility of an understanding of, of everything that that's happening um, I think implementing uh, a centralized solution. And when I mean centralized, it's, uh, it's not that we have a specific API that handles everything. It's just that uh, most of, of the, the ways that our, the authorization is, is implementing is, is the same for everyone. And, and, the, and, and we have a control of, of what happens there. And we try to yeah, it's like a, an internal company standard. Yeah, exactly. And and we try to to make sure that um, if we need to change anything, um, we don't depend on 
on the whole company to update their code base, basically. Uh, we, we are able to do so on, on systems that we control, on, on ways that, that we control. And, and in the cases where we need to implement a specific library, the, the library is, is as, as simple as possible. And, and in most ways, uh, the, the, the libraries ask the question for, uh, for permissions to different type of, of services. Um, and they're as, as complex as that. The, the whole uh, complexity is, is taken to, to being sidecars or being uh, other type of, of solutions or, or applications. Makes sense. So you, you start thinking about authorization as, as, again, as a cross-cutting concern and both as an aspect, if you think about like aspect-oriented programming, but also when you think about again microservices, you, you can essentially take uh, some of those things and say, hey, I can have a sidecar, and, and then because this is just a service running next to another service, all of the typical things that you see at companies that like, have a, a DevOps-type culture that do continuous deployment, all of those kind of you, you cross the cross cutting concerns of authentication, authorization, et cetera, with the services. And then you can have an internal team that can kind of like handle the development lifecycle and operational lifecycle of security related components. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's, it's making sure that everything is, is standardized and, and that type of core solutions that need to affect or need to be used by the whole company. Makes, that makes sense. And so you, you mentioned a, a couple of interesting things. You mentioned like the notion of running some logic at the edge. And then you also mentioned a sidecar. Uh, can you share a bit, uh, again, and, and I know this is where like it, it might get into kind of like details, some of them shareable, some of them not. So like again, as much as you can, um, what things does, does the platform team offer to other product teams at Mercado Libre both to, to say, hey, this is a check that should be run at the edge and, and how that kind of like logic is, is replicated across your, your fabric, your, your uh, platform. And also uh, the same thing, but what does the sidecar do? What can teams do with that sidecar? Yeah, sure. So well, obviously the, these sort of solutions uh, are not, uh, we are not able to, to turn them on from from day one uh, because we, we depend on, on moving the whole uh, company to, to, to this type of, of new solutions, uh, as I mentioned. But where we are going right now and, and the things that we are uh, sending to production are, are basically based on, on first authenticating our, our users on, on the edge of when we receive uh, the, the request, the first thing we need to do is to authenticate our user. <coughs> we need to understand if, um, obviously, the credentials that are, are being sent are, are correct, if the user uh, credentials are not expired and, and whatnot. And, and we need to understand who our user is. And, and when we talk about identity, um, we basically need to understand not only what's their user ID and, and what country the user is from, but we also need to get the, the context of our user. What's, what actions can they do? What are their permissions on, on our platform? And, and with all that information, we, we are creating a token. We, we call it the identity token, which is then sent send to the applications, okay? So with that information, with that concept that is being propagated on, on each of the, the hops that our requests are, are done between microservices, the applications are able to ask the correct questions um, basically in a low latency uh, way. So. Sometimes you have you have obviously different ways of, of approaching this. In some cases, you might want or you might need to to ask uh, the the question to a different uh, microservice. So you you need to to 
do uh, your application need to do a, a request to the authorization uh, application, uh, what we call the, the policy agent, which is the, the application that evaluates the, the permissions. And you might get uh, an allow or, or a deny as a, as a response. But as, as you mentioned, obviously, uh, that has uh, several costs. For example, uh, you might be uh, creating a smooth point of failure for your authorization, and you might be adding uh, a lot of latency for your requests because you obviously need to uh, go to another application. So what we are doing right now um, and, and deploying uh, in, in some cases internally it's a, it's a sidecar, which is basically uh, a Docker container application. Uh, most of our microservices or are, are, are instances are, has, have uh, several uh, containers that do uh, several things. Uh, one of them is obviously the, the user, uh, the developer application that they have been uh, developing. And another one is the authorization sidecar, which is basically the the same uh, code base as as the the uh, policy agent I, I mentioned before. So in that case, if if the application has the ability to ask the the authorization question, so has as do this user uh, has the require uh, permissions to do this this action and obviously the answer should be yes or no and if they are able to ask that question locally uh, that's obviously much faster correct and also your why yeah. why is uh, let me let me chime in there so that they can uh, because there are a number of interesting things here why is uh, fast uh, why is performance latency important for for you for this particular operation, right? I guess you don't op performance optimize everything, at least not initially. Yeah, sure. So uh, this, the authorization obviously is something is that these type of questions are being asked all the time. So any, any, anytime you need to do a specific action in Mercado Libre or Mercado Pago, we should be able to, you should be uh, asking internally this, this type of question. The same is with authentication. You need to be able that to, to understand that uh, if I run, uh, if I send a request to your application, uh, I need to validate that the credential for that specific request are correct. And maybe between one request and another, uh, your credentials has, has expired. So you shouldn't be able to, to send uh, requests after that, or those requests at least should be, uh, should be rejected. The same is with authorization. Uh, the, the, the permissions of a user can change um, anytime. So you need to be sure that every time you ask the question, uh, you, you get uh, an answer to, to understand if, if that specific user has the, the correct permissions to to run a, a specific to, or to create a specific action, okay? So those are our questions that with our traffic, uh, which is in the hundreds of millions of, of requests per minute, uh, obviously uh, is, could, could really impact the performance and how our users uh, um, basically the, the, the speed of, of the requests that they are sending. Okay, and and we we want to make sure that 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 sort of questions uh, don't impact our users or don't generate other type of, of issues that that could be happening if you have uh, a lot of of users that are maybe queuing for to getting a, an answer. Okay, so. Yeah. So performance and low latency is, is always a, a must in, in this type of, of of solutions, I think. So so the, there's a there's a reliability aspect to this, making sure that the system continues to function, queuing theory, things don't back up. Yeah. 
And then there's also the time is money aspect, which is, again, the, the more, the longer something takes, the, the less people are likely to continue using the system. Um, and also, of course, reliability also is money. So at the end of the day, everything is money. But uh, <laughs> yeah. despite uh, capitalism, we, they, we, we understand from, from a systems perspective. Uh, you, you mentioned a couple of other things, and, and maybe it would be good to kind of like go a bit into deeper detail. Uh, so kind of like for everyone listening, the the uh, the approach that Meli uses is very similar to uh, what's published also in a Netflix talk uh, from QCon. It's called uh, let me see, user device and identity for uh, microservices. Like um, they uh, Netflix calls it uh, passport. Yeah. Meli calls it uh, identity token. But it's like again, if anyone's interested in like the, the details of that, you can go check that out. Uh, what's the format of this token? Kind of like quickly. What do you put in there, and, and what's like what's the serialization, etc. Yeah, sure. So it's a JWT token, um, and and basically the information that also is a is a signed token, uh, and the the information that it's on the token is is uh, mainly the the information of of what's the ID of the user, uh, w from which country. Um, the user is is uh, doing the, the request or, or which country the, the user operates and an information regarding um, the type of, of credentials that they they use so in, in mail you have um, different types of like web sessions maybe mobile sessions maybe an, an access token uh, there are several several ways to authenticating and not all those ways work in, in every application so we need to have also the context on, on where those users are, are are doing those those requests and okay okay that that makes sense and, and then obviously the the permissions the the, the main uh roles the the user uh has and, and obviously that is going to help to to ask the the questions about if a user has the ability to to do something or not okay so essentially again this token has the user id some context about like how the session was initiated and like kind of like a level of like escalation or type of session uh, elevation of permission sorry and also um like the roles that the user yeah. has then you, you send that around again you, you pass that around the different services to validate the token you check its signature as you mentioned mm -hmm. if it's valid then you go check the claims and, and you kind of you can use that now, you also mentioned the notion of the sidecar. You mentioned the, 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 the wording like policy agent. Uh, what is a policy agent? Uh, what is a, a policy language? Like, how are you um, dealing with that? How did you come on to a decision on that? Can you share a bit about Yeah, that? sure. So um, when we started building uh, the, the, our solutions to, to evaluate uh, permissions, we we tested different uh, different frameworks and different solutions that are open source and, and we also thought about uh, implementing our, our own and currently our policy agent is our application being that is run as a cyber or as an external application and that application is is the, the one that evaluates uh, the, the policies with the context users to, to understand if a user has uh, the permission, the correct permissions or not. And in those cases, uh, basically the, the, the question itself uh, is what's written on, on a policy, what we call a policy that are the rules that are going to be evaluated. So if before, Maybe you you wrote uh, uh, an if with the question if this user has this permission then allow else deny uh, that's same type of, of question or logic uh, is implementing in a in a language that's called Rego um, and then it's evaluated on a framework which is called the Open Policy Agent or or OPA um, and and also, we we decided to to extend that 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 framework because we saw that in in some cases it wasn't performing as we expected to, and 
but but what is cool about uh, Rego is that uh, it, it, you are able to ask pretty uh, complex um, questions, if you will, because it's a language that allows you to uh, maybe uh, write, write uh, ifs, write uh, regex, write uh, different type of, of solutions or questions or or implement loops, for example. So with a single language, if you will, you're able to basically uh, map or write any type of, of question that, that you have regarding the, the authorization. Uh, obviously, it's a complex language. Yeah, it's not something that, that anyone can start writing from scratch. You need to read documentation and it has a, a learning curve. And, and what are the benefits of using something like Rego rather than, I'm making something up, having a sidecar that can load up a bunch of uh, Java files with like abstract class implementations for policy checking, like typical chain of responsibility, and then you just give them, give uh, passing parameters and let anyone write whatever they want? I think it's more or less uh, the same at the end. Uh, you're writing in a specific language and, and processing and loading everything the policies are loading on, on, on your sidecar memory to, to be evaluated. In the case of Rego and, and actually on open policy agent, uh, it's a, the, the framework is, is pretty good on the uh, optimization side of, of the policy. So a lot of things are uh, indexed. They have several types of, of indexes and, and that helps uh, make sure that for the, the most simple questions, they are uh, evaluated in, in, I think, microseconds. And in some other cases, obviously, they, they take a little more. But what we are doing right now, or, or thinking and, and starting a few POCs, is um, basically we want to be able to, if, if we want to, to move from uh, Rego to other uh, systems. We don't want to have the, the whole company depend on, on a specific solutions, no? Okay, so in some cases, our developers uh, are able to, to write uh, Rego uh, policies, but in some other cases, what we are doing is having uh, different uh, public services, if you will, uh, front-ends where our developers are able to uh, write policies in a wizard way, if you will, uh, similar to what's, what Amazon uh, do with their, their IAM policies, for example. So, so in first, you, you complete uh, some questions like, are you going to be uh, evaluating uh, user permissions and what type of permissions do you need to evaluate and, and in which context are you going to, to be asking uh, these questions? And with that information, we then uh, go and, and create uh, on our backend uh, the, the correct policies. So if we want to, to move from, from Rego to other type of, of languages, we are able to do so. Uh, so it's like creating your your own uh, DSL, if you will. Yes, uh, yes. The, well, one of the things uh, we, we, we talk about that a lot about Zero internally is that when chatting with companies that are using Rego, if they are large enough, they don't allow their developers to write Rego. They, yeah. they end up having that abstraction layer. And, and like everything else, like in, in, in programming, you just add a pointer and you solve problems. In your case, you're solving two problems. You're solving Rigo's complexity by, by kind of like providing the wizard as a platform team. But also you are adding a layer of abstractions to switch that when, when necessary. Um, how, how did you come, like more thinking pro, from a product platform perspective, not, not necessarily a security perspective, 
how did you come up with that idea of, hey, we need a wizard. Uh, this is something that would be valuable for our uh, product platform, uh, product team, sorry. I think when we started as a team evaluating options and basically thinking, we, need, we thought about two things uh, when we started doing this. The first one was obviously from a security uh, perspective, we need to improve our authorization uh, service and solution and be able to make sure that the whole company is using it, That which ended to the second question, okay, how we do that? How do we uh, make sure that that everyone start using these, these type of, of services and solutions? Because uh, we could have ended, uh, ended up saying to everyone, okay, you need to learn uh, Rego, I need to uh, implement these type of solutions for to to your applications, uh, and you have this this deadline. But that wasn't realistic in a company that has thousands of employees. Um, you need to create abstractions, and you need to create solutions that are easy to use. And and asking the whole company to learn about uh, Rego for uh, in some cases for the same type of, of question, uh, it didn't make sense um, because you obviously have pretty complex uh, complex uh, questions around the, the authorization that you need to, to make, but there are a bunch of other applications that you only need to ask for uh, specific questions like, does this user have the, this type of of permissions and the answer should be yes or no. And you might end up asking for or, or configuring uh, for a specific uh, URL on your application that you need to have those permissions. And if you are going to have a uh, thousand of applications and, and, and a bunch of, of use cases are more or less the same, you obviously need to create tools to to make sure that those steps, if you will, are not uh, happening, are not repeating all the time. Um, and and the way to do so is creating abstractions and creating uh, really simple solutions that any user, uh, any developer can can use. Um, I think it's the same for, for you guys, for, for us here, it's, it's how we make the the authentication and, and identity validation as, as simple as possible, and that's what we we try to 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 do in in our case. That's that's a great a great mindset, and, and and I think having that product internal product mindset is sometimes hard for platform teams. So it's it's great to see how again a concrete example of it being kind of put into practice in a in a very successful way. Uh, so good job there. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So um, whenever I'm again, I'm running these policies, I have the the identity token. How often is data from outside the identity token necessary to make an authorization decision, and and where does that data come from? Um. So for. Each request that is authenticating, we should be creating a specific identity token. Uh, there are obviously things that uh, we are doing to, to improve the, the performance, like caching and whatnot. But what we are trying to do is, is making sure that those tokens that we are creating uh, don't live for a pretty long, long time because if if one of those tokens are, are leaked, uh, maybe someone can, could uh, be uh, doing actions in the name of a specific user without the, the correct permissions. And and obviously those tokens that are internal uh, don't work outside of of our our internal systems. But but for us is is the same. We we try to to make sure that the security uh, is, is both from from the outside world to, to our, our internal uh, solutions and, and, and our internal 
uh, networks, if you will. So those tokens should, uh, shouldn't live pretty long. And, and obviously, if, uh, if a specific permission for a user uh, is, is uh, changing or someone uh, is, a permission is, is revoked, they need to change as soon as possible. Obviously, you have propagation and, and that sort of issues, but but that has to be something that changes as, as quickly as possible, because if not, you could end up giving more permissions that, that would the user uh, need to, to have or was intended to have. That, that makes sense. So that's, that's kind of like the context of what how often you refresh the token and, and how you ensure that one of the things you mentioned earlier, whatever, like someone changes roles, that's, that's propagated quickly into newly minted identity tokens for new requests. Uh, what about the case, for example, you mentioned earlier, which was, well, it's not only about the user, but about the credit card company that they are using for the payment, where, like, I, I guess that might not necessarily be in the identity token. Maybe it is. No, in those cases, um, so basically our most of our, our permission um, solution is based on, on, on it's a role-based uh, solution. No? Um, we are extending some cases with some attributes, but it's not solely based on, on attributes. It's not ABAC, uh, if you will, it's more like RBAC, for example. But so we, in most of the business case of, of the, the APIs could be mapped to an authorization, if you will. Uh, you may want to ask uh, questions like, uh, has this user uh, the, the ability to use this specific credit card or is the, the user able to create payments on a Monday, for example, or I don't know, different questions that are more related to the business side. So. Although our, our system is, is pretty generic and, and can, can uh, maybe ask those type of questions, we, we try to move uh, away from that and, and make sure that uh, it's mostly based on, on the questions regarding the authorization, regarding the permissions and, and, and some specific cases that may uh, are, are close to, to the business side, but but not uh, are necessarily business questions, if you will. Yeah, I don't know if that like, makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's, uh, I, is there like maybe quick, quick yes, no, or uh, is there a, like, how do you find out if a team is using a, an authorization anti-pattern? That's a great question. And we don't have right now the, the correct answer or, or the best uh, scenario because there are cases where that could happen. Um, basically, because our, our system has been uh, in production for, for a, a few months and and it's not being used for, for whole Mercado Pago, we are uh, moving forward with, with uh, getting new, new teams to, to use our solutions. Uh, we are working pretty close with uh, our new clients, if you will, uh, trying to create solutions and, and documentation where we make sure that for for most of the most common questions, there are uh, a step by step or a wizard uh, to to be able to to create that. So we we make sure that uh, in those cases we. We try to push people away from from writing their own uh, regal um, policies uh, to to make sure that those cases, if they need to, they can. But we try to give support for those cases and understand if that's something that uh, they really need to implement on the authorization side. If it's really an authorization question, or if it's something more business related. And in those cases, we try to educate our, our users. But <clears throat> because of, of the growth of Mercado Libre is, is some of the things that that we need to, 
keep continue working on to to make sure that that uh, we are able to to understand more easily uh, the the type of question our our users are are making. That that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. And, and we we've done similar things uh, at Otsido, like thinking as a platform where first you kind of like ship something, you you do like the the very non-scalable consulting, right? Like the yeah. do things that don't scale approach. And then over time, you, you add the, the tooling, you add more more capabilities, but that, that's not how you start and definitely not the best way to validate something before continuing to invest. Yeah, in your resources are never going to use the product as you intended to. Uh, there's They're always going to find some uh, different type of, of use or, or things that that you need to, to be close to to make sure that, that they are going uh, for the, the right path. But I think that we, we take those kind, kind of, of cases uh, as feedback to, to improve our solutions because if a specific team is building policies that, that are being written in, in Rego and they're trying to, I don't know, do a specific use case that is pretty weird. Um, in most cases, I think that's related to uh, maybe bad documentation or or something that uh, is not really clear on, on our service or something that we need to improve uh, as a... As, as solution for, for the problem. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Feedback is a gift and it, it doesn't always come in the, hey, have you considered doing this? Usually it doesn't. It's, it's mostly like reading between the lines and trying to figure out yeah. what actually happened in, in different situations. Um, yeah. How do you, uh, like the version policies, that, that's kind of like maybe a security slash compliance question. And, mm -hmm. and I understand that's kind of like important because of like regulation, but also because like as a company, you need to know what changed, especially if you if you are now aware that it's not just code, but also authorization, that, that might be a thing. So that's kind yeah, of like for sure. the security compliance question, then the DevOps and the operational infrastructure question. How do you roll out policy changes in a reliable fashion? Yeah, so um, most of the policy changes are, well, all of the policy changes are obviously uh, audited. And, and we have uh, we create new versions for each of the, the changes and the and the policies are being deployed on, on our company um, on our applications and and we make sure that we we understand who did what and, and which uh, what time they they change something and and to have that information as, as clear as possible to the the owner of the, the application. And obviously, you know, not everyone can deploy to policies to, to production. Um, inside of, of Mercado Libre, we have a, a platform as a service called Fury. And obviously, Fury has their own uh, permission uh, roles and, and they have different type of, of, of users uh, inside the the, the company and the, the, the applications. And so there are a few type of users that are able to to make changes and, and deploy uh, to production new policies. But uh, we are working also with uh, improving the, like an, adding a, an approval uh, path or approval uh, system uh, to make sure that, that in some cases where, uh, as you mentioned, you have a regulation or, or something that is, is really critical on, on the business side, uh, you, are, you, you make sure that uh, you, have, uh, you need a specific approval for, for deploying to production. And is that, in, is that yeah. in, in source control? Is, is that a system that you have kind of like on top of that that manages your, uh, your CI, CD? 
is that a separate compliance related system that kind of like hooks into your source control? How does that work? So what we're doing right now um, is basically a pretty, I think, simple solution, uh, which is um, most of our, our policies uh, end up in, in, in S3 of Amazon service as a, as a text policy with, with all the, the rules. And they're uh, obviously no, not, a, not anyone can, can go and, and change something uh, on the, the files. And those policies are um, all the, the sidecars of the applications are checking uh, every uh, minute or so if there are uh, changes on, on the their policies and, and they are pulling the, the information. And if they, they find that a policy has changed, they basically download the, the new policy and, and uh, change it on, on their uh, on memory side. Uh, I, I like that. It's, it's fairly simple. And I, I don't think enough of us use S3 uh, as much as we should. It's, it's a very powerful system for lots of things. Yeah, and I think on the reliability side, uh, it's obviously a, a hugely used service and it's, it's really, really reliable. I think it's like five nines on their SLAs or something like that. Uh, and, and obviously, they, uh, I think we, uh, we have a lot of things that could fail before uh, S3. And, and you obviously have different type of, of problems that would happen, like uh, being inconsistent when a specific, uh, a specific instance is not able to, to load or download the, the new policies. But we try to, to send metrics for, for every step of, of the way of, of reloading and evaluating policies. And, and obviously uh, monitor that and alert uh, if, if something is, is failing after a, a long time or after a few minutes. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's, that's great. So we're, we're close to wrapping up. Uh, before I, I ask my, my last question, um, I want to share with everyone listening, next week we're going to have uh, folks from GitHub. They are going to be talking about how authorization works at GitHub and, and the whole like enterprise plans and who can read repositories, who can have access to uh, things based on like what team they're on and, and how everything works internally. So that should be an interesting chat. Um, Juan, what are the like like the key things that you learned working on this so kind of like authorization capabilities? A lot of these things are relatively new, especially kind of like Opa Rigo are are, are newish. Have a couple of years old in the Kubernetes environment. Um, what are the, kind of like your key takeaways? So, uh, first of all, I uh, I think uh, authorization and all the, the, this security part of, of our our solution and our, our company are, are really complex. And, and when you when you see something in the scale of Mercado Libre and that need to work on that scale, uh, it's a pretty difficult problem to, to fix. So I think when we started, we we tried to do many too many things at once or try to 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 create first a, a solution that that could um, work for for any type of of, uh, of use case. In some cases, that that's that's not always a good choice. In our case, what we end up doing was creating a, a pretty generic solution that focuses on on managing obviously permissions and and asking uh, or being able to to ask uh, any question that that the user has. In most cases, or in some cases, that type of solution could uh, not be the most performant one. But we we always try to be pragmatic with our solutions. Um, they obviously need to work, uh, be resilient, and and be um, low latency. But in some cases, we 
we prefer to be able to move forward and to start using and testing and and doing um, uh, an iterative uh, solution and and, and 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 basically start testing as, as soon as possible, um, trying to create um, hypotheses and, and seeing if those are are true or not, and not trying to create the the perfect system that that is going to to scale to hundreds of millions of requests from from day one, and and we try to to keep things as, as simple as possible, and and to use mechanisms that we know uh, work correctly, and 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 move forward from from that step and and see if we need to make something something a bit more complex or, or not or or keep it as simple as possible always uh, i think that's some of our uh, key learnings when when doing this that's that's those are good takeaways authorizations hard um iterate 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 yeah Great. So again, thanks uh, a lot, Juan, for your time. I, I know we talked a couple of times about doing this. It got postponed. So really, ha really happy to have you here. Everyone listening, thanks a lot for listening in. Uh, we will have the recording of this posted like either today or uh, sorry, tomorrow or uh, Friday. If you missed any part of the conversation, you should be able to kind of like re-listen to it on YouTube. Um, as I said earlier uh, before, do tune in next week it's going to be earlier because the people who are going to be talking to are in europe but we're going to be chatting with the github folks about authorization as well thanks a lot juan thanks for having me bye Thank bye